Hello and welcome to the Oddcast, Ireland's musical theatre podcast. My name is Keen O'Dowd and as always, we'll be bringing you the latest news from what's happening in the world of professional musical theatre, as well as theatrical going-ons right here in Ireland on the Association of Irish Musical Society circuit. Today we'll also be discussing the interesting aspects and challenges of producing musical stage adaptations of films and bringing cinema to theatre. To help us delve into this discussion, we'll be welcoming Wexford's wonderful Ashley Doran to the show. And of course, capping it off, Adam will be delivering his judgment on whether Songs for a New World or Aunt Juliet has won his valued recommendation as the show of the week. I am, of course, joined by my co-hosts, the incandescent Daniel Ryan and Adam Trundle. I live I live for every week what word you're going to use to describe us like I live it's for that. It, it sort of accidentally started as with an I adjective every week. <laughs> well, we can see we can see which version of Encyclopedia yeah. Britannica you bought. Yeah. The, the inconceivable. Um. <laughs> oh, give me a second. Yeah, I'm trying to uh trying to stay away from the less pejorative ones yeah. for the time being anyway until I have a good reason. It depends if you don't pick my show again this week, Adam. Oh yeah, mm. true. I, you you might get separate be, adjectives actually. Yeah, I was <laughs> might be in the introduction. Yeah. I'm joined by the inimitable <laughs> Daniel Ryan and that other guy. Anyway, and, <laughs> and the idiotic Adam Trundle. Oh, <laughs> anyway, yes. Oh. Uh, I know, I know, terrible. <laughs> the um the coronavirus outbreak has visited I suppose a lot of cruelties on us, one of the more trivial of which is the inability to enjoy the frankly ridiculously good weather that's on at the moment it just screams beer garden mm-hmm. yeah and beach and just on beach. outdoors and just you know being around yeah. people and getting to actually like you know hold hands and walk through meadows and stuff i don't know what do you do in the sunshine <laughs> the world outside of five kilometers i kind of feel like i'm on the truman show or something yeah <laughs> yeah this is like a live it oh that's that's that's, a, that's the best way to describe it ever just, just realize that's so good <laughs> Just like get to that five yeah, kilometer zone, it's like, oh, what's happening here? Oh, there's yeah. a, been a meltdown at a nuclear plant. <laughs> what? <laughs> Smokescreen. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like there, there just isn't the same level of interest within my five kilometers that yeah. there was in Jim Carrey's in that <laughs> no. movie. Just what, and it's definitely not as funny either. Yeah, I, I kind of have just continued on my, and what I think everybody has been continuing doing my incessant watching of films that i was sure that i had seen before but apparently did not remember any of uh, <laughs> i i ended up watching alien during the week you know the ridley oh, scott oh, with yeah. sigourney it's weaver so right good. and i'd never really connected with it massively before but i i think there was there was kind of something about this tale of an organism growing in somebody which then threatened the very existence of everybody around them that I don't know. <laughs> it seemed to have more resonance than usual with me. Like, oh my god! <laughs> Makes so much sense now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen Alien. I've seen Aliens. I've seen the second, which one. is also fantastic. It's so good, yeah. and I've I haven't even seen that like in cinema or telly. I saw that. Do you know those series they do where they have like the live orchestra playing the music? like Ooh. to accompany the movie that's how i that's how i saw aliens that's a fantastic way to see that movie well do you, re- do you remember who wrote the score 
no. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say John Williams, but like, who knows? Like, yeah, let's just say it's John. It's either either him or Hans Zimmerman, right? I don't think it's either. I'm pretty sure it's James Horner. He was James Cameron's uh, go-to guy for that Titanic. Was my, that was absolutely uh. the next words out of my mouth. I swear. <laughs> so yeah, that James Horner <laughs> score, I I think for Aliens. But it's funny because Alien is like this steak. It's like this really intense, like it's really well made, like psychological thriller, like verging on horror. And yeah. then Aliens is just like, yeah, there's a billion of them, but we've got really big guns. <laughs> so it's kind of like a burger. Like, <laughs> Oh, for sure. You know? So good. The best bit is like in Aliens and like going to see it in that kind of setting. So you're in like, like I went to see it in the board gosh and they have the orchestra and that's all cool and stuff. But the best moment by far is when she like turns around and she's wearing that, no, that weird like mechanical suit thing. And she just yeah. says, get away from her, you bitch. And the whole place just goes fucking mental. Like that's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> What's in the music of the movie is just being surrounded by like, you know, 2000 people just going mental. Like, <laughs> Oh, it is. It's, it's a brilliant line. It's such a well-made movie. And it's also amazing that a movie like that can just be so different from the first film yeah. in the series. Mm. Oh, completely. Like that you can take, like what is in essence a survival horror movie and you'll just produce an action thriller as yeah. its sequel. And it, they both work amazingly well. Yeah. No. Uh, le- less said about Alien 3, the better. Yeah. I'll take the nosedive yeah. after that, but you know. Yeah, which was weirdly like David Fincher's first movie. What? Oh, really? Alien 3. That's insane. Yeah. Did it, have all the, did it have all the classic Fincherisms, like, you know, like a cool palette and weird music and, you know, <laughs> tracking, yeah. tracking landscape If, I, if I remember correctly, it's so dark, like as in yeah. physically dark, yeah. as to be almost unwatchable. Like, okay. yeah, you're just peering into it going, what is going on? I can't make out anything on screen. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it is also emotionally very dark as well. Okay. Uh, the aliens have feelings in this one. <laughs> 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 yeah it's kind of kind of like the bit from i am legend which is in the book but not the film where he re- <laughs> yes. which like they never explain in the movie like i am legend like no. that he is a legend amongst the zombies and yeah. he is like their boogie man mm-hmm. so yeah that this sigourney weaver weaver or ripley is like their boogie man that's that's alien three for sure <laughs> <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's told from the alien's perspective of a horrific, <laughs> villainous woman who comes to murder them and their mother. <laughs> I haven't seen Aliens three, so I will fully accept that is the truth. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm going based on this. Like, though I do like Alien vs Predator. That film is fantastic. That is just a good time. That movie. <laughs> Essentially, the story sure. of it is that Predator <laughs> is like is this you know species of trophy hunters. And the Xenomorphs, which is the name of the aliens in the Alien franchise, showing my major nerdness now. They, um, <laughs> I was going to say, we are, we are going down a road of a different podcast here. Yeah. Though, yeah. <laughs> to try and turn it back to musicals, do you think you could make a musical adaptation of any of the Alien movies? Oh, yes, hell yes! Get hell away yeah. from her, you bitch! Do 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 do. <laughs> Get away from her, bitch. You I'm, not, I'm not going to lie. I've like... only heard three seconds of it, but that is a hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Add some like third harmonies in there. You're done. Mm-hmm. I'll give the full Broadway Pretty much treatment. Done. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Adam. Your knowledge of the Alien franchise is very surprising. 
Yeah, but and delightful. Not. Well, I was going to say like deeply, like uncomfortable. As I was going to say, it's it's a thing where you go. Did you know they're called xenomorphs? And everyone just backs away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> never, never be frightened by your own knowledge. I also, one of the interns, has returned to me on the oh. aliens mm. score, and I can reveal James Horner oh. was indeed the man oh. who wrote the score to Aliens. Boom. Very impressive knowledge, Adam. Yeah, very fantastic. impressive. But that actually makes it sadder somehow. Like that's worse. <laughs> no, it's okay. But what I do want you to do is write to James no, Cameron I... and ask him to put it on Broadway. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think I will. That's a great idea. I mean, he has nothing better to do now. He's in quarantine, I presume. Like I know the Avatar yeah, movies. Sure. I mean, if, if, Alan, if Alan Menken is writing like fifteen musicals, apparently, surely <laughs> yeah. James Cameron can put something on the stage. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, like weirdly, uh, this is sort of I I'm, I don't know how. I know so much about this an american <laughs> high school did a production a stage play of alien oh which got such notoriety that um sigourney weaver attended a performance of it no that's way that's so cool oh that's so cool yeah like look it up it's a brilliant story it's oh, that's so, so cool. good i mean i'm sure they broke all kinds of copyright you know royalty oh, and yeah. license <laughs> copyright law, but but, but apparently nobody can. And I think Ridley, both Ridley Scott, like Ridley Scott, like tweeted and said loads of positive stuff about it. And Sigourney Weaver actually went to it. So, That's so the kids awesome. are all right. <laughs> They're <laughs> fine. You can't sue kids. Speaking of the Broadway stage, Dan. Yes. I know you are our professional musical theater correspondent. Absolutely. What has been happening over in New York that we should be, um, we should be learning all about? Well, this week, our, our our story this week is pretty pretty historic now. It's a pretty historic week for musicals because they announced obviously mm. the winners for the Pulitzer Prizes this week. So basically, yes, these are course. awards. These are awards for achievements across a kind of a wide area of like literature, journalism, newspapers, etc. Very and usually very prestigious, very very <laughs> like very very big deal. And one of the awards that they award each year is the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, which again is kind of you know it awards achievements for kind of playwrights and obviously musical composition musicals are included in that and this week it was announced that a musical won the prize the pulitzer prize for drama for this year um and rare it's it is incredibly rare it is actually only it is only the 10th time that a musical has won this prize and they've been giving this out since 1918 so you know we they average about one a decade so it it is quite rare and it's kind of worrying that we're kicking off the decade with it so you know next 10 (laughs) years next nine years now like it's going to be plays yeah but um no it it went to a a musical called a strange loop and which has been Mm. the book the lyrics the music the whole shebang was written by a guy called michael r jackson it's just in case <laughs> just podcast disclaimer mj not, not michael back. v jackson yeah exactly <laughs> not back from the dead but um and when we we obviously on the last podcast you know we had our discussion around you know the drama desk nominations because this is another off-broadway mm. um musical yeah. and i know that we, we we didn't really dive into it too much and there was a key reason for that and it was because when i was looking kind of doing a bit of research into the nominees for Best Musical at the Drama Desk nominations, I didn't think this was much of a big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> show us what you know. I know, really just show us. Like, I, I, I read the um, kind of like, you know, synopsis for it, and it just, it seemed like a story that had kind of already been done, you know. I, like it, There was a lot of kind of, you know, person mm. coming to New York, trying to make it big 
kind of thing. I was like, that sounds like 42nd Street, Copacabana, you know, there's kind of, and then in it, you have one kind of main character and then kind of like a kind of Greek chorus style of other kind of players around him, which are supposed to kind of represent his thoughts. I was kind of like, that sounds a bit like they're playing our song. So for me, I read Mm. a lot of this stuff Mm. and I was just like, this just seems like I'm kind of, you know, I'm just cherry picking from other musicals and putting it on stage kind of job. Um, Sure. Nothing in its form that's particularly groundbreaking. Exactly. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't seem that much, but um, obviously I was clearly wrong. (laughs) I I listened to the soundtrack. I, I wasn't, overly impressed I'm with it I, 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 i'm the same i haven't been bl- blown away you know like it didn't it didn't yeah there was nothing there that i thought was overly mm. special there was no kind of standout number that was like oh that's class it's a really beautiful piece of music like it was all it's very funny like very funny and very candid yeah. like very candid like you know very straight talking kind of you know and i suppose at some level maybe that kind of worked in his favor i don't i don't i don't know a show off the top of my head that's kind of as candid as this like it's literally you know mm-hmm. it will talk about kind of like you know very straight talking some some people might call it crude you know Ooh. in places like you know but <laughs> it, it it don't bring granny exactly yeah, don't bring <laughs> granny maybe not even bring mom and dad you know and there's <laughs> definitely definitely like you know pg18 mm-hmm. and if there was such a thing as like pg under 40 and (laughs) that that narrow bracket there it's targeted for you in terms of kind of like background obviously you know kind of alluded to that it's a bit it's basically about a guy his name is usher and he works as an usher at (laughs) at, at the lion king on broadway and it's about him just he's he's looking to kind of make it in new york as kind of like you know a creative which again i was kind of like this kind of harks back to rent i just every time i read anything about it i just looked and i was like that's so mm-hmm. similar to some other musical anyway rent is a previous pulitzer prize drama winner though. it is indeed that's it true. absolutely is but i suppose like the kind of kind of premise really of the whole show is that you know like he's got he's like he's an african-american he's overweight he's homosexual trying to i suppose kind of make it in a kind of white heteronormative world like that's the kind of overarching theme of the whole thing so it, right. it, in that respect it does kind of fit the bill in terms of if you look at previous pulitzer prize winners that are musicals mm. like you know because you look like well i wouldn't say if it's a bit in terms of like hamilton was just such a kind of a revolutionary kind of show sure that you know that that was kind of big. but if you look at like next to normal which kind of deals with you know mental health you know bipolar yeah. those kind of serious issues rent again obviously kind of you know highlighting you know the plague the struggle of creatives living in new york and then you've also got you know the kind of aids crisis side to it you know the whole mm. whole series of wider socioeconomic issues yeah. are dealt with in rent and then like you know other ones even like I'm like going a bit further back to probably what we would call air quotes simpler times, but like a chorus line <laughs> is, is another previous winner. But again, at the time, quite revolutionary as a show. And again, it did mm. kind of highlight, I suppose, again, the kind of struggles of creative people, you know, trying to make it in, yeah. in theatre. So it, in, in that, from that side, it does fit the bill. Yeah. And, and it is kind of one of those themes of shows which are typically for the right reasons or the wrong reasons are really heavily represented in award-winning categories are either shows that comment on theater because mm-hmm. theater critics love shows that comment on theater <laughs> and then shows that comment on you know societal problems that are really in the zeitgeist yeah and like something like a strange loop you have a crossover between those two it takes both boxes so yeah it exactly it takes both boxes so it's like massively kind of self-referential of the theater world but also it's commenting on yeah 
this this heteronormative kind of cultural thread that you might say dominates musical theater and yeah. has dominated musical theater for a long, for a long time obviously but soft power covers so many of those grounds as well insofar as that it is extremely topical and interesting from a political perspective and that story about the value of democracy and democracy being under threat is something which is perhaps less explored in the musical theater world absolutely soft power was also shortlisted a musical winning the Pulitzer Prize for Jam is pretty mm. historic, but this year having two of the three shows that were shortlisted being musicals, that's the first time that's ever actually happened. So Ooh. at long last, people are recognizing the musical as the superior <laughs> yeah. art form. <laughs> whether or not you really like the music of A Strange Loop or whether or not you really like the music of so- Soft Power or whatever, it is a kind of great coming of age moment for musicals. And, you know, these two musicals, whether you think they're brilliant or not, they at least delve into the... They, they invade the world of what is largely being occupied by the straight play, mm. which is that this is the world where we provide serious commentary on societal issues. And often people sort of say and think that, oh, you know, like if you introduce music or singing to a subject, that that's automatically going to trivialize it or it's not going to treat it with the kind of emotional resonance or depth that you need to but actually the truth of the matter is that you can achieve so much more through a combination of dialogue and music than you can with one of those media alone absolutely absolutely that's true and it's about time though damn Pulitzer's got it right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They finally educated themselves after 102 years. (laughs) So far from the bright lights of the Pulitzer, Adam, we have our own awards going on at home. In very shortly, two weeks' time, the Association of Irish Musical Societies nominates, or sends out the nominations, rather, for its awards. Yes, and equally as prestigious, I would say... But we've got a little sneak preview, I suppose, of nominations in the past couple of days with um, Mm. nominations for the Unsung Hero, or should I say the Mary Kelly Unsung Hero Award. Ah, Yes. Uh, So for anyone who's not familiar, AIMS have this award, which is in place where societies can nominate their own members or I suppose potentially past members or people involved if they think their contribution deserves a little special recognition from the AIMS committee. Um, where you know perhaps they wouldn't be seen on stage and be eligible for more traditional nomination, let's say. Uh, yeah. So there are twelve nominees. Um. So and they do cover the length and breadth of the country. You know, from up north down to mm. Nina. So I might just run through all the people who are nominated. So uh, they're in, I think, alphabetical order of the Musical Society. So from Athlone Musical Society. So Dan, you should be familiar with Tony Woo-hoo. Dalton, I would presume. Uh, Ballon Robe have nominated Sean Costello Sr. Uh, Carrick and Shore have nominated Ray Nolan. Kill have nominated Mary Brown. Kilmainham in Chicor have nominated Marie Gaynor. Uh, Nace have nominated Mona Conroy. Nina have nominated Jerry Scanlon. Newcastle Glees have nominated Seamus McGrady. Uh, Oyster Lane Theatre Group have nominated Patrick Clancy. Portadown Phoenix Players nominated Rodney Henry. Trim have nominated Sean Fox. And last but not least, Tullamore have nominated Dimpna White. Uh, so, you know, it's great news for all of those people that, you know, 
we'll hopefully get a little bit more background when the awards do happen as to what their contribution was. But it's great that those people who would be behind the scenes potentially, or, you know, even if they're well known within their own communities, they wouldn't be as well known across the whole AIM circuit. So it's great. Yeah, for them. and it's fantastic recognition. The truth of the matter is, of course, that you cannot produce a show without the myriad of stuff that happens backstage and the people who contribute to that during backstage during production or in the rehearsal process are honestly as if not more important mm-hmm. than the people who end up going on stage, you know, because it can often be a very thankless job and a very stressful Absolutely. job. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I, it's it's great to see recognition. I mean, from our perspective, look, we all know Mona Conroy and Nace yeah, very, very well. well. Yeah. I can credit Mona with giving me my start in musical theater. Same as CBS's yeah. production of Seven Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which in brilliant Mona style got blown up to seventeen brides for seventeen brothers. Yeah, fantastic. And she figured that, well, why why would we just have ten more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was a school's production kind of makes sense. Exactly. I presume there were seventeen then uh, suitors as well. So suitors there were, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I know, so. like only in a school's production in a Christian brothers secondary school could you have nigh on forty <laughs> men on stage. <laughs> Like, no, I, I don't know if there are 40 men between all of the musical societies in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> is, there any ch- is there any chance any of those lads would be tempted to make a comeback? There's many musical societies who would need, who are in desperate need of men. <laughs> Absolutely. Bring on the men, as they say in Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, so I mean, like, they run the gamut there, I think, of the types of contributions in those nominees from costume designers to directors and everything mm. in between. So, it like, it is great that there is a vehicle to recognize all those offstage contributions because they don't really get as much credit as the people who are singing and dancing up on the boards. Yeah, and it is it is nice. I think it's a nice touch that we get those announcements separately. Yes. You know, it's it's almost it's almost like it's given as much weight, you know, in in terms of having its own separate day as just the aims nominations generally absolutely because they would get lost probably in the exactly they don't get lost in in the well you know the the best best actor or best, best musical director yeah. nominations two weeks ahead of time you get your own spotlight and everybody sees the anybody who follows aims on facebook or wherever else will see these names and I, it's just it's lovely recognition it's a good it's a really nice choice i think to do that exactly it's fantastic and um we do look forward to hearing who the winner is and also in two weeks time hearing the full list of nominations from the Ames adjudicators. Very, very interesting. And I, I suppose, obviously, anybody who has been following the whole story with the awards knows that nominations will obviously only take place for the productions that actually took place this year and have been eligible for nominations because they were adjudicated and of course lots of societies have missed out on putting on their shows and have missed out on being adjudicated so it will be a very different feel of a nominations not not only because you are going to be missing out on nominations for a range of musical societies but quite apart from that it won't be taking place in St Michael's Theatre in New Ross it will be done in a new way in some live cast online and so it will yes. just it will just be different yes. and feel very very different but hopefully it'll still be as much of a great <laughs> a great 
piece of entertainment or a great spectacle in of itself. There should be a nice buzz because you would think there's so much overlap between musical societies nowadays that like even if your show didn't go ahead, you will have at least seen a number of shows that will be nominated or have friends in the number of societies who are nominated and who are eligible for nomination. So hopefully everyone will still be tuning in and there'll be a great buzz around social media on the day congratulating everybody who is nominated. Yeah, hopefully so. It promise, promises to be fantastic. And in two weeks' time, we are going to be doing our own AIMS nomination special show, which will be coming out on Monday, the 25th of May. Hold on to your hats and get ready for that one. So one of the things that we wanted to do was to talk about the benefits and challenges of stage musical adaptations of movies. And to help us do this, we welcome a visitor to the show. Our guest today, Ashley Doran, is certainly no stranger to the stage, having performed in productions with St. Michael's Theatre Musical Society and Escorthy Musical Society and New Ross Musical Society. She has played a host of parts right across the musical theatre canon, including Maria in West Side Story and Natalie and Ed in All Shook Up, for which she was nominated for the Association of Irish Musical Society's Best Comedian Award. Of relevance to this conversation, Ash has played a host of parts right off the cinema screen, including Christine Colgate in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Judy in 9 to 5 the Musical, Ula in The Producers, Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, Dolores von Cartier in Sister Act, and most recently, Molly Jensen in Ghost the Musical. Ash, with that kind of record, uh, you really ought to have been a film actress instead of one that assumes roles on theatre stages in Ireland. Oh, I don't know about that. The love of singing and dancing draws me to the stage. You can't always get that in film. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. But you'd be a lot richer. Yeah, maybe I need to consider this. (laughs) (laughs) There's still a chance. There's still a chance. (laughs) Emma Stone in La La Land. Yeah, it could have been you. Yeah. Yeah, she stole it from me. Yeah. Okay. Curse, her, curse her commercial viability. <laughs> it must God. be the red that's, hair. Yeah. It must be. It must be. Yeah, well, that's that's an option. Like, you, you dyed your hair for Elle Woods. You could have dyed it for La La Land. I didn't actually dye my hair. That was wig. <gasps> yeah, I faked it. Oh, you went with the wig I option. I faked it. Went with the wig option. Too much maintenance. That is true. <laughs> what, the wig or, or blonde hair? <laughs> to go blonde. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's kind of one of those ones where you, if you do something on stage that is an adaptation from a film, there's probably, if I'm right in saying, more of a pressure to look exactly like the actress did on screen. Absolutely. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think if somebody like Reese Witherspoon created and originated Elle Woods, well, then when the audience come in to see Legally Blonde, they expect a blonde girl wearing pink. Uh, It was the same most recently when I played Molly. Obviously, Mm. uh, Demi Moore had an iconic haircut for the role of Molly in Ghost. And I genuinely lost count the amount of times I was asked, when was I going to cut my hair to look like Demi Moore? (laughs) You know, And obviously, Ash, we were in Ghost together and it was a sort of great personal disappointment to me that you didn't do that. (laughs) A bold haircut. (laughs) I don't think I I could have pulled it off as well as I was telling everybody who would listen that I didn't think you were really taking the role that seriously. But But it's just mad to think like there is an assumption there. And this question was asked numerous times by fellow cast members. And it was the same mm, when I yeah. played Elle. When was I going to dye my hair blonde? I'm naturally a brunette. You know, there was an assumption there of, like, are you taking that next step to be exactly like that character? Yeah. And I think it, in ways, especially for likes of Legally Blonde, blonde is in the title. Like, you have to take 
accept that you have to wear a wig, you yeah. know, um, because otherwise people walk on stage, well, should it be legally brunette? Well, yeah. That sound right. yeah. But yeah, it's just funny that there is like a comparison made immediately and an assumption of the physicality of that character. Is it a challenge to, you know, when you're in a position where you're trying to come up with something that's unique or something that's, your, you know, your own individual performance in a movie musical character. Where does the balance lie between trying to get it exactly like the movie versus trying to come up with something original and that's just your own and that people can come away from the theatre going, oh my God, I love what she did with it. I love what she did with the part. Yeah, I think you have to stay true to the original character, but then the challenge is to still be authentic and original with it. So mm. I think sometimes you have to accept that, that the mannerisms and the, the physicalities and everything of that character, but yet try add something else unique to it that people can say, oh, OK, I've never seen somebody do that like Elle Woods before. I've never seen somebody do that like Dolores Van Cartier before. But mm. y- you still have to be true to the original character. Yeah. And so it's kind of more taken really like their characteristics that everyone knows but it's kind of like okay Whoopi Goldberg like she's really sassy that's her version of sassy what's my version of sassy yeah Yeah. exactly and I think if you don't take those things especially for such well-known movies and that they were adapted to stage musicals like Sister Act and Legally Blonde and Ghost the audience would be disappointed if they don't see a somewhat sassy and feisty Dolores Van Cartier or like a bubbly Elle Woods, the audience will be disappointed because that's the expectation that's there when they're walking into the, the theatre. Yeah. So we're, ne- so we're never going to see a goth interpretation of Legally Blonde is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I personally am really disappointed about that. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be very interesting. It would be like down tune all the guitars, make it kind of death metally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd, be, it'd be pretty good. But like, but on that, it is playing the likes of, you know, and I, I don't want to put down the Frank Oz movie, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but it's not as well known as Sister Act as a movie. So do you feel like at this much greater freedom with a Christine Colgate in a Dirty Rotten Scoundrels or a Judy in 9 to 5 where people aren't going to be necessarily as familiar with those characters? Do you feel like that's almost in terms of your freedom closer to doing something that are that originally was produced on stage like a maria in west side story in terms of the freedom that you can come to the character with then let's say you know your your l woods or your mollies yeah absolutely like you definitely have a little bit more leeway and freedom with those kind of characters that aren't as well known but yet you still have to be true to that character um, and again like your director will have a vision for those kind of characters as well of what way to go. And then you yourself have a vision for a character of things that you want to do and to add. Um, But yeah, you definitely have a lot more freedom with that role because it's not as well known to to be a little bit more original. So do you prefer then the likes of a Natalie Ed in Autocup where, you know, people who are really familiar with musicals will have seen a couple of versions of Autocup, but maybe the majority of your local audience won't. So would you prefer parts like that where you kind of have free reign or something like in Elle Woods where you have, you know, like you said yourself, like 50 or 60 percent of it, you kind of have to stick to people's expectation and, and you only have a little bit of room for freedom. Which one would you prefer to take on? Both are different in a sense that 
you know, when you're doing um, such an iconic character, you have a good starting point. And I suppose it's nice to have, you know, where you're going with that character. While the likes of Natalie and Ed, I suppose you can have more fun with it. But then sometimes when you don't have such a structure for that character, that might backfire as well. Yeah, true. I suppose it's 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 a big challenge because you're you're kind of completely relying on yourself and your your director to completely to, yeah. You know, well, if you have a structure, if you know like the way the rise and fall of the emotions of the character throughout. I'm just saying, Elle Woods, for example. You know, the start she's really bubbly and you know wanting to get Warner back. And then it kind of like she grows and develops throughout the show. So that's like a nice structure to have. And you know where you're going, what you can do with it. But if you do have a character that's not quite as well known, yes, you have more of an opportunity to be more authentic with the character, but it might not always work. And just on the the subject of playing characters in musicals that have been adapted from movies, often those stage productions come with production requirements that are going to be more excessive or more demanding than it would be for something which started its life in development on stage. So I was watching a documentary recently on Disney Plus all about the making of Beauty and the Beast and talking about the challenges maybe in transforming a beast into a guy on stage in front of everybody on Broadway or, you know, like dancing cups and saucers. It's not really something you would have built into the script if you were writing a a musical for the stage, but it's something that you now have just have to contend with when you're making a stage adaptation. And so do you find trying to play out some of those technical requirements? I'm thinking most specifically of like Molly and Ghost, where you have to spend most of your time on stage completely ignoring Sam, who was played by Cormac Malone in New Ross, in a way you won't have to do in other productions that you'll have to do things or fit into these some sort of technical requirements of a show which are just more demanding than you ordinarily would I mean there are challenges in that yeah but I think that makes it exciting to do those things on stage and I think that's Mm. what makes the stage adaptions so successful because those kind of moments are so are just magic and they give that kind of wow and awe factor and when you hear that from the audience when those moments happen it's so rewarding but like it is challenging and I, I know in rehearsals I'd forget myself and I would look towards him like oh yeah I've done it again <laughs> um, he'll, he'll be very disappointed to hear that you derived so much excitement from not looking at him <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that sounds crazy tough I hadn't even considered how hard that would be because every instinct like of every other role you ever play you have to look at your scene partner you know like yeah I think though you just you're so aware of it you're so aware of it from the start and because the film is so well known you know exactly what is involved so you're kind of training yourself from the start to just block that person from your peripheral vision or like if they're right in front you just like see through them all of the time so you kind of just through the rehearsal process you're doing that all the time because you're so aware of it but it was strange at the start. And kind of picking up on that point there about like, you know, that you know the show from the start. Like you kind of know before you even walk into the theatre. I know, Like for me, it kind of takes away, does it not a little bit though from going to see a show? Because like I know when I went to see The Lion King and I saw The Lion King on the West End, it's incredible to watch. It is an actual, it's, like, it's such a spectacle. But I was like, yeah, but I know exactly what happens. Like everything I was like, oh yeah, this is where 
like, you know, Mufasa dies. And this is where, you know, we sing Hakuna Matata now. Like, does that not kind of play a little bit like, you know, as opposed to something that's like completely fresh and original? Would we would we agree with that? But everybody has like The Lion King. How many times have people watched The Lion King because they love it? Yeah, true. I do love it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if there's if there's a musical that you love and if there's a soundtrack of that that you love, you're going to constantly put it on repeat. It doesn't matter anything about it or if you know how it's going to end you're going to rewatch mm. it mm. or listen to it again but I, I think on that point there is a risk that the stakes are that little bit higher because if like you say <laughs> it's a bit like when you go to see a band live versus the album and sometimes if the song isn't played exactly like it is on the album there's a little bit of disappointment or deflation mm-hmm. and a little bit of the time like if you go see something which you a moment you really love in a, a movie and you go to see a version of that on stage and it doesn't wow you to the same extent. And sometimes maybe that's because it can't, because it's it's on stage and it's not filmed through a film camera and it doesn't have this massive special effects budget. It can probably leave you feeling a little bit, oh, well, that wasn't quite as amazing as it could have been. And I think something like Ghost, it's really challenging because Patrick Swayze was walking through walls and doors the whole time in that movie making stuff move through the power of his mind and you're under so much pressure to make that stuff as amazing as it was in the film instead of just doing your job which you might do in an original musical which is turn up and act and sing really really well so you've this additional layer i think isn't that fair which is you have to meet an audience expectation which is now raised because of a movie Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really for those kind of films with such technical uh, moments in them, the director and the set designer have to have a vision for what they want to do. And whether that be projections or real life magic, that is up to them. But their bar is definitely set from the original films for those those kind of technicalities. Like I, I think one of the big advantages of like having the audience be aware of the story and the character already is that when they come Mm. in, they're already engaged with you. You haven't got to try and win them over, you know, outside of just like being a good version of it. And I think there's so much, there's an, there's another level of enjoyment, I think by being in the room with the performers, which I think is a great thing about these movie musicals. Cause it's like, yeah, you can watch the movie, but it's a different experience to going and sitting in a room with uh, a live band and, you know, a full mm. stage of performers in front of you. So I think there's great enjoyment from doing that, too. I think I think the one of the problems is for me, I think you can be caught really in a knowing situation with some people in the audience, because I think sometimes if you do something exactly the way it was in the movie, then you could quite easily be accused of just imitating them. Whereas if you do it in a way that's very, very different, you're also going to probably disappoint another segment of your audience who might say, ah, but he was nothing like the, you know, the guy in the film. So you almost feel like no matter what choice you make, it's going to end up disappointing one section of your audience or another. And that sometimes in itself can be a lot of pressure, you know, that, that, that expectation and that comparison. But... I suppose you just go out and you do your best and hope people will like it. <laughs> I suppose it comes down to which of those criticisms would you rather receive? Like if you leave this, or you hear through the grapevine that someone said, you know, that you were 
like just copying the character or whether you were completely wrong in your interpretation. That's not what it was like in the movie. It comes down to yeah, where yeah. like, which one of these things would, would I rather hear? Because I'm going to hear one of them. So do sure. the thing that feels right for you and kind of, you have to ignore the people who are that critical of amateur theater, I think. The haters. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I'm kind of reminded of a quote that I I saw from Michael Buble, who is quoting a conversation he had with um, Tony Bennett about inspirations. Yeah. And he was saying, sometimes I feel like I'm just doing a Frank Sinatra impression or I'm just doing a Tony Bennett impression or whatever. And Tony Bennett was saying, you just have to steal from everybody. You know, if you steal, if you steal your performance from one person, it's plagiarism. If you steal your performance from everybody, it's research. Yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe is that the trick that you just kind of, you try to integrate little bits of, well, the person who did it in the movie and the person who did it on Broadway and the person who did it on the West End and maybe a little bit of myself and you put it all together well, I think it depends on the person. Like me personally, I've seen all of those films, but if I am auditioning for a part or if I get the part, I won't look at anything. I will try, you know, go through my memory of the characteristics of that character and then make it up as I go along and hope for the best because sometimes it, it can be plagiarism without you realizing it. It's something that you've watched. <laughs> yeah. I suppose the advantage of a, of a thing like Ghost where the movie is really famous, but like the other side of it is the music so a huge amount of people will you know who are going to see something like ghost or like the wedding singer will have seen the movie but won't have heard any of the songs or at least any of the original songs that are in it so you get Mm. the opportunity to do something which is potentially completely new and original because you get to sing it your way in your voice and so there's that i suppose actually in something like a sister act ash do you find that there's a there's a pressure to try and sing it the way whoopi goldberg would sing it yeah definitely it doesn't just go to the acting I think it does come across in the singing as well because I found Dolores kind of has to be harsh and brass mm-hmm. her vocals throughout have to be harsh and brass while with Elle Woods it kind of had to be sweet and poppy so mm-hmm. like that does carry across because I suppose that goes back to the character and like what the character is and the personification of that character and uh, like you couldn't sing Elle Woods feisty or brassy absolutely not only do you have to kind of base your acting if people have this expectation of acting now you're adding in 14 15 songs you're like god I've tried to keep this character up all the way through and I've and I've no reference point and changing the tone of your voice sometimes hmm. to suit yeah. the character do you know my natural singing voice wouldn't be I would think like brassy um, or harsh, but I had to work on that to play Dolores because I felt that's how she should sing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a weird one where you're trying to find the balance again, but it's one of the nice things with something like Ghost where you get the chance to show people something new within a story they know. Yeah, and it was funny with Ghost because it that, that musical isn't done um, as often as others. I did feel I had a little bit more freedom to play with the character a little bit more and even that the singing of it uh, and the vocals I felt were Molly but also me. Have you got a dream movie role that you would love to play on stage? Uh, Yes I think I was uh, thinking about this and I think a really fun role to play 
would be Harley Quinn. Oh, oh wow. Oh, my. That is quite a cool one. That is. Wow. That, that would is be unexpected. so much fun, <laughs> yeah. I think. I really enjoy that character. So I think that could be so much fun. And fingers crossed that it will be turned and adapted into a stage musical. I'll be signing up for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Batman, yeah. the stage musical where she's the <laughs> antagonist. It's going to be. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like that. That's even better than me playing the alien in Alien, the music. <laughs> <That's, laughs> ever since, you know, 20 minutes ago, I'm now like, that's what I want to see happen. James Cameron, if you're listening, yeah. I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> Ash, it has been an incredible pleasure. So thank you very much for giving us your, uh, your insights. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic, but I'm sure we're going to see a hell of a lot more movies adapted into musicals. Out of interest, guys, if you had a movie that you'd like to see adapted into a stage musical, what would it be, Dan? Um, Thoughts? Thoughts. I mean, I think, well, one that jumps to mind, and it's, it's kind of weird, it's probably because we've been kind of, you know prepping for this episode and the whole kind of idea of a movie being made into a musical was on my mind because it's You're a not going to say I... alien again are you <laughs> oh, <shit>. um, <laughs> wait, hold on. Uh, no my it's a movie though that I, I watched for the first time only the other day and it's the 2018 was it movie i Tanya. so the one with mark oh. robbie and, and alice oh. and danny um i just think i don't know again i think it's because be great it just coincided with, I think, talking about this topic and the fact that it was a movie I hadn't seen before. But I just think it'd be... Was re- this I think- literally because Ash mentioned Harley Quinn and your head went to Margot Robbie? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, well, that too as well. Like, There's just so many... I just think it'd be really good, though. It, like, It, it works really it well. There's a, lot yeah. of, there's a lot of fourth wall breaks in yeah, the, the movie. They're though. fully talking to the audience, just like lends itself. I can see that. I can see someone hitting a spot and delivering something out to the audience, you know. And I think... It, it just be it's a really it's a really it's it was very funny and I think there'll be you know a good bit of it require a bit of skill to try and act as stupid as so many of those people in that movie are like they're just so stupid like, it'd be a real I think a lot of I think you'd see a lot of pedigree actors wanting in on that and I mean how cool would it be to have ice skating on the Broadway stage I mean presumably you would use roller skates rather than actual ice rink but it would still be pretty... I, I would insist on it being an ice drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like there are, all, there are already so many musicals that have roller skates in them. Yeah, true. It's done to death. True. Why not one more? That's what I say. <laughs> like what do we have? Starlight Express? The Rink? Xanadu? Yeah, the classic The Rink. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> the classic Pandoranet musical, which everybody has seen called The Rink. I feel like there must have been a generation of composers that were obsessed with roller skating. Because like <laughs> both both Xanadu and The Rink, I think, are about roller skating rinks closing down. Yeah. Obviously, that hit a particular demographic hard. Well, like you can't, like, there's not much else to go. Like, it's a very, it's a very easy topic. It's like, oh, the local roller rink is closing down. Like, you know, like, I, I don't see how you can build yeah. an original story around roller skating any other way. And yet none of them involve roller disco. That's my big oh. gripe about it. So, Keen, I presume your pick then is Boogie Nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is indeed Boogie Nights. No, I, do you know what I would like to see? Tell me. Blade Runner. What? What? Blade Runner. <laughs> right? You're okay. purely thinking Ridley Scott. Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a massive Ridley Scott buzz. Okay, <laughs> that's number one. And I couldn't repeat Alien, which I obviously want to see. 
But yeah. I think Blade Runner, it's got, it's all electronica. Okay. So it's going mm-hmm. to be, yeah. it's going to be pretty different. And you have that whole thing with like, you know, Decker's sort of, what is he? Who is he? You can do a takeoff from like Lem is. You can, oh. you can do, who am I? <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Except he's am like, I a burnt out cop who hunts things endlessly. <laughs> nice. Yes. Or am I a replicant that's bioengineered? Okay, you've spent too much time on this. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> feel like off the cuff, and this feels more like this is something you're just trying to pitch. It's off now. the cuff. I have not developed this musical at home with my Casio 66 key keyboard. I've keyboard cashed my way to victory here. <laughs> and if you join the Oddcast Patreon, you can hear Ian's demo for Blade Runner the musical. <laughs> you can hear the full original score and concept album. Yeah, all parts played by Ian. Well, I mean, how else am I going to get my concept album off the ground? <laughs> I think, do you know what irks me? Is like, you don't see enough sci-fi in theater. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Just in theater in general. Like it's sci-fi is, it's a great genre. It's really not to be super serious about theater now, but it like <laughs> takes takes really good allegories and puts them into really interesting futuristic settings. And it, they're always quite interesting pieces about you know, yeah. where humanity is going and kind of speak to society at the moment. I don't know. And I presume it's like a production value or in a budget thing that, that it doesn't really happen. Has but, to be. But I kind of think that would be amazing. Like, would you not want to see Blade Runner on a Broadway stage? I feel like I would I go. I would want to yeah. see it. I feel like I do yeah. want to see it. I would definitely go. Yeah. So that's that's my pick. Yeah. That's my I... pick. I want to get Harrison Ford back <laughs> on the stage as well. Oh, oh. incredible. <laughs> Adam? Adam, what is it? What is what is your pick? I found this really hard because every time I come up with one, it was already a musical. Like I, I have, <laughs> I, I had these million dollar ideas. I was like, Back to the Future as a musical, it's incredible. And it literally came to the stage like like two months ago. So, like, <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna stay with '80s because I feel like I feel like the '80s is a good time for movies. I'm gonna go for Labyrinth. You know the David Bowie oh. movie. Oh, Jim Henson and all the wow. puppets. So oh. I'm definitely going for that. Now, to be fair, it does have like songs in it already it's kind of a movie musical so it's not a huge leap but i mean i'm guaranteed my drama desk award for best puppeteer absolutely that's in the bag yeah well, so well, <laughs> you're right to be thinking about critic reactions early yeah yeah Get yes. that. And, and the low-hanging fruit awards yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> how you build momentum like <laughs> yeah i say like... build an out of this world puppet Although you will have to fend off a, an undoubted Paddington sequel for the title. <laughs> and let, let me tell you, he looks cute, but he's still a fucking bear. Like, <laughs> don't forget that. At the end of the day, he's yeah. a carnivorous animal with claws. <laughs> and, a, and, a Broadway, and a Broadway bear. Oh, that's even more ferocious. Yeah, yeah the claws he, are out. He, he, <laughs> oh. I'm glad I made myself laugh if no one else. <laughs> it was... It was a poor effort, and I'm disappointed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you really shouldn't be at this right. stage. <laughs> okay. Those, I guess, are our picks. But if you have anything that you would like to see turned into a musical, let us know at theoddcast at oddtheatre.com or on Instagram or Facebook at theoddcast by Odd Theatre. That brings me, Adam, to our little section, which I'd like to dub restricted groovement <laughs> where dan and i tell you things we've been listening to on lockdown and you determine which of them is better yes. so to recap last week or sorry two weeks ago i should say 
uh, Dan recommended the musical and Juliet, and I recommended the musical Songs for a New World, and it was up to you to determine which of these was better and would get your much vaunted approval. <laughs> and I just, I just want to say before we kick off, all right? Yeah. I don't want you to feel under any sort of pressure to make up for mistakes which might have been made two weeks ago in your choice. Okay, so I, I don't want you to... I know on reflection, you've probably looked back at it. And I haven't given this any more thought, by the way, but I know you will have. So I just... <laughs> I, I want you to feel like you, you're completely unencumbered by that pressure to make amends. So, you know, just just please, please let us let us know what you preferred. I mean, I will say that last week it was quite tricky. I mean, I wasn't a major fan of either show, but I liked them both roughly equally. And so it was a close call, um, which was ultimately swayed by more memorable songs in Beetlejuice. This week, uh, it's not close in the slightest. This week, wow. I have one of the picks I like. I'm going to probably revisit a number of times. Um, and one of the picks I kind of hope gets destroyed in a fire and is never unearthed <laughs> again. Um, so, I mean, I feel like my one's going to fall into either of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I like know. that you seem a little bit on edge. You're like, I mean, well, it could be. Well, on the, one, on the one hand, I'm like, I'm like, oh, that, I mean, he must love Songs for New World. But then he also picked Mamma Mia as yeah, one of his four. So this is it. Picks. So I, yeah, I think I'll, I'll like put you out of your misery at this point. So Songs for a New World is absolutely the winner this week. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so it brings our scores to one all. And um, like there are some fantastic songs in that. Like one is, is it called The River Won't Flow or Just One yeah. Step? It's like, it's so funny. And there was another one, A King of the World, just like fantastic songs. They're so good. I'm definitely going to be looking at some more. Is it Jason Robert Brown? That's the guy's name, isn't it? Jason Robert Brown is right. Jason Robert Brown. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was Justin. I was like, that doesn't seem right. You know, I'm definitely going to be listening to more Jason Robert Brown music. You know, I haven't really heard any of his shows before, but I think I'm going to seek them out now. Whereas, and Juliet, mm. Dan, you said last week you were committing Harry Carey. I mean, mm -hmm. it was much worse than that. It was so bad. <laughs> Talking about it was so and good. Julie, I mean, look, I... Have, the like, first, the first like sixteen bars of that show is pure musical theater magic. Literally, just like you know, a cappella. Oh, you people, can't you see? Can't you see? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Like so good. I, I mean, you're wrong. You're wrong. The issue with and Juliet is not that the songs aren't good because the songs are you know, like incredible. They're some of the best pop songs of the 21st century and like the late 90s. Like Max Martin is a genius, mm -hmm. but. Like the whole concept of the show that it's like Shakespeare's wife pitching her version of Romeo and Juliet and like the songs are just like crammed into gaps where they don't really fit. Like the NSYNC song, It's Gonna Be Me. I know he says like May and one of the characters names is May and they went, oh, perfect. That'll do. It's just, ugh, it hurts. Genius. I think it's it genius. hurts. And like throughout it, every time a song came on, I was like, I would rather be listening to the original of this song right now, like every single time, except except for like the one saving grace is they do a mashup of Problem, uh, the Ariana Grande song and um, Can't Feel My Face, the weekend song. And that kind of slaps. That kind of mashup is pretty good. But like 
the other mm. hour and 14 minutes like made me want to bleach my eardrums. Wow. Well, as, as as I made it clear on the last podcast, I don't give a crap what you think for the <laughs> listeners. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think whatever. you were aware of, of the onslaught that was coming. <laughs> I was. I, I knew. I Yeah. To be honest with you, I was surprised I even won the last one. So I definitely knew this. I had this one coming. But... You were just pushing the boat out to see how much you get away with. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make it any less painful. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Now, the other thing is, like, would I really want to go and see Songs for New World? like as a stage show because it's only the four singers I, i'm not sure i would because i feel like it'd be a bit boring because it's not like it's it's not really a full stage musical it's just a concert oh so listening to music bores you now <laughs> yeah. oh, excuse no. me huh. <laughs> guess oh. you but be- guess you better tear up those any of those concert tickets that you might have <laughs> lying around <laughs> there's no hard narrative driven through it <laughs> Must be boring as fuck. I mean, for a musical to not have like anything in resembling a scene is, you know, a lot. But they're incredible songs. They are. They are incredible songs. And I will be revisiting many of them. All right, Dan. So uh, I guess you and I have another rec- recommendation to put forward. Mm-hmm. I am interested to hear what you have in store for Adam's eardrums. Okay. So my pick this week is the 2015 musical Something Rotten. So music and lyrics by Carrie and Wayne Kirkpatrick, which is the most Irish-American sounding surname of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. And when this show, this show did reasonably well when it was uh, first produced in 2015. It received 10 Tony Award nominations. It only picked up one win, but you know, it's it's all about the it's all about the honor. It's all about the honor. That ten percent return, you know. Um, and the original cast included Brian Darcy James, who obviously was the original Shrek. Christian Borle, who's done Little Shop of Horrors, Legally Blonde, and Falsettos. Brad Oscar, who was in the producers, and Heidi Blinkenstaff, who I know certainly we would know from title of show anyway, which we're all fans of that show. But uh, another Ooh, massive performer. And the premise behind the show is that it's set in Elizabethan times. And basically it's about two kind of down on their luck brothers who run their own kind of little small theater group. And they basically attempt to write a, a stage show to rival that of William Shakespeare, who's obviously at like the height of his show writing prowess. And basically in creating this show to outdo William Shakespeare, they basically invent the musical. So the concept of the musical and it's absolutely hilarious. Like listening to the soundtrack is an absolute laugh riot. It's so good. There's some absolutely brilliant songs in it. There's a song called a musical, which is basically where they come conceive the idea of the musical, the first ever musical. And if anyone, you know, in addition to, listening to the soundtrack which i'd highly recommend you should totally check out the 2015 tony award performance because this was the number they did on the show and it is just fantastic about there are so many references oh. to other musicals all the way through it's just for anyone who really loves like musicals and is into musical theater it's just a great song you'll have you'll just love all the references throughout it but there's some other top ones in there there's another one bottom's gonna be on top which is just all about you know now that they have this idea of the musical you know, how it's going to change their fortune and stuff like that. And then also, like, Christian Boyle plays William Shakespeare. Like, he won- He was their only win, so he won a Tony Award for his performance. He is just hilarious. And his song, which kind of opens up Act 2, it's called Hard to Be the Bard, is just, again, another brilliant, brilliant song. So that's my pick for this week. 
Um, it's def- you're definitely going to have a giggle. You're definitely going to have a giggle. And there's some very clever, clever bit of writing and clever bit, clever lyrics throughout it. So that's what I'm that's what I'm aiming for. That's what, that's my angle. But equally, as I stand before, if you don't like it, I don't really care. It doesn't matter who gives it. You know who gives a shit. Um, <clears throat> Keen, uh, what, uh, what what do you have? Well, I, lo- I love your um, your nonchalance. Uh, I, so uh, it's my turn this week to perform Harry Kari oh. because I'm going to pitch in something that I know Adam doesn't like, <laughs> and that's a rock musical. Oh, okay. So my, my pick this week is a, a show I know you're a big fan of, Dan, Heathers. Oh. So Heathers, for anybody who doesn't know, because Heathers is, has gotten a good bit more popular very recently but kind of started out its life as as quite niche it's based on that michael lehman film from 1988 starring winona Ryder and christian slater and it's it's a black comedy and a a lot of kind of the themes of the movie are repeated in the movie mean girls which a lot of people will know but heathers is much darker and what it is 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 a very unpopular student winona Ryder befriends three popular girls each of them called heather but also starts up a romance with this kind of you know psychotic guy christian slater who who is murdering students and staging their deaths as suicides and it's played very much for black comedy very very much for black comedy and the musical sticks to that storyline quite rigidly so it it originally started out as doing developments like back in 2009 and 10, I think like Christian Bell was in a workshop with it, but in its current form started out with Barrett Wilbur Weed in the role of Veronica, the main role in Los Angeles, who I love. I think she's just the most sensational wow. theater performer. Her voice is oh, her unbelievable. Voice is, her voice is mighty, mighty. She's got a great voice. And and th- this was a great show, and she played that part. Like you listen to any of the cast recordings, it's just y- incredible. And that was in L- premiered in LA in 2013. It went off Broadway in 2014, and sort of had a bit of a mixed reaction off Broadway. It was well liked by a lot of critics and audiences, and some people thought that you know making making a musical of some of the dark comedy elements of it making them a little more bubbly and poppy didn't really work because it it treated some of the black comedy elements a bit too lightly but it's sort of one of those stories that you you can't really Mm. keep a a good show down because while it looked like it was sort of dying away it blew up with this 2018 production on the west end with carrie hope fletcher Mm -hmm. in the main role and she essentially does, like, if you listen to the recording, she essentially just does a Barrett Wilbur Weed impression. Yeah. Like, it's her voice on that recording is virtually indistinguishable. Like, if every phrase is played almost exactly the same. But if you're into sort of darker comedy, you're going to enjoy it. And I quite like darker comedy. And it has this really kind of good rock score. I, I think people were some t- a little bit confused by it in ways because... It's based on the 1988 movie and it's it's sort of set there, but the score isn't very 1980s. It's just rock. And it's by this guy, Lawrence O'Keefe, who famously also did Legally Blonde. That's probably his biggest other work. And the guy who's the librettist on it is is this guy, Kevin Murphy, who I think Reefer Madness is probably 
the one if anybody knows that show that's what he's worked on but Dan if you were talking about the most Irish sounding production team there you go Lawrence O'Keefe and Kevin Murphy <laughs> yeah that's really Irish are you sure are you sure that's not they, like they're like the just outside Port Leash but they didn't <laughs> yeah unfortunately unfortunately they're not but <laughs> but they've come up with this thing which is in my view just sublime and it was meant to be coming to the board gosh on tour I think in October I do have tickets for it. Remains to be seen whether that's going to go ahead. But I think the songs are just brilliant. I think they're absolutely superb. And Adam, I only hope that you'll look past their rock stylings. So annoying. I completely forgot about Heather's. I love Something Rotten as well, by the way. Uh, So I'm I'm kind of sitting there going... If I had to pick between these two, I'm honestly not sure what I'd pick. I think the I think the winners here are the listeners because they get to choose. They get to listen to all of them, and they don't have to choose a favorite. They can just enjoy every one of them. So that's great. That is true. Like these are two big hitters, which like I have heard songs mm. from before. So I'm interested to like sit down and listen to the whole album of both of these, and also yeah. very happy to yeah. have two musicals. I've tried to of tried to go week. for something which is a little <laughs> less obscure. So mainstream, so basic. Look forward to um, having your judgment come down upon us in a fortnight's time as we try to sift through all of the nominations on our Ames nomination special episode on the 25th. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Tune back in with us in a fortnight's time. Of course, do feel free to get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram at The Oddcast by Odd Theatre or email us at theoddcast at oddtheatre.com. Also, don't forget to follow us or subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes or wherever else you're listening to your podcasts. Until the next time, have a good one. <laughs>